0: Do you like apples? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them
0: apples? (laughs) Hey, kids, it's your favorite Greek starting strength coach here. Just got back from beautiful Wichita Falls, and I'm here to give you the rundown on everything we have coming up. Next seminar is up June 3rd through the 5th then August 12th through the 14th. For training camps coming up at the time of this recording, we have two spots left for our Lift Shoot Fight Camp that's put on by Nick, Don't Put Mayonnaise on My Sandwich, Delgadillo. April 30th and May 1st, that is a two-day camp. Squat and deadlift camps on the list. Most of these camps are actually sold out that are on the list currently, but the ones with spots still left, May 14th in Boise at Starting Strength Boise. A couple spots left in Winston-Salem, North Carolina on June 11th. Then another camp June 11th in San Antonio at Starting Strength San Antonio. Then our three-lift camp are covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift on May 7th in Brussels, Belgium with the muscles from Brussels. You know, I feel like it was a really big miss that they didn't incorporate muscles in the name of the Brussels gym, but what the hell do I know? Then we have one spot left for our squat bench and deadlift camp on April 24th in Baltimore at 5x3 training. And a few spots left on April 30th in Orange County for their squat, bench, and deadlift camp. And then finally, the Seoul Brothers in Seoul, South Korea, the better of the two Koreas in my opinion, even though I've been to neither, May 1st covering the squat, press, deadlift, and power clean, so check those out. For Starting Strength Gyms information, we do have Columbus on track, so check that out at columbus.startingstrengthgyms.com. And then Tulsa just announced that they have secured a location by a fancy Whole Foods. Still need coaches? So if you're interested in becoming a coach, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, check out the coaching tab, fill out the form, and make a new friend in Inicapel. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage
2: Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Uh, I just can't help it. I can't help it. Normally, I, you know, like to make it look like the show's live and shit, but everybody knows we tape delay this. I, I don't know that I, I you fooled anyone, Rip. No. <laughs> you don't think I've got anybody convinced? No, We're not doing this right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right what do you guys think of, i can't i can't i shouldn't even say anything but what do you think about uh will smith slapping chris rock on the goddamn bullshit awards I think, program they I think do. he
1: made a fool of himself
2: i think it's acting yeah could be is what i think i think they're
1: we got everybody talking about it
3: actors even ripito talking about it
2: they've got even me talking about because what are they going to do they got to do something to rescue their little bullshit program and even if it even let's say hypothetically any kind of publicity is good publicity if you're on the way out (laughs) hypothetically
3: (laughs) even if it wasn't him doing that was such bullshit because it's a comedian that's roasting everybody
2: and if you'll look at the video right before that he was laughing right he was along. laughing no they showed and then, a video of him looking then, at his wife and then jada looked all uh, and, decided and, to take offense and she must have said something to him and yeah. he got up and slapped him and oh i don't know i don't really give a fuck about the backstory i don't care but i just thought these guys are that fucking desperate mm-hmm. to rescue some publicity for this irrelevant fucking event that they would do such a obviously manufactured bullshit thing like this god almighty hollywood is so fucked up
1: (laughs) i mean you know why did it have to be black on black crime though it's the first black
3: on black it is the first time the media has ever covered a black on black crime yeah
2: it's the first black on black crime and, that, and then somebody managed to blame it on Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah if oh, we, yeah. If I Will saw Smith, that this morning. If it, Will Smith would have smacked Bill Burr, it would have been way more funny. Because this is just tragic. I mean, two black men two black can't get men along.
2: Repeated over and over. Black on black crime. white man's fault. Obviously. Because we did that. Who put that. them there? We did that to these two millionaires. Who put them in that situation? These two millionaires and... Oh, it's just, oh, it's just so, I'm so ashamed it's to be a white man. I, Good, finally. I, finally. Finally. it's you know, it took this, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, now that we've wasted all that electricity on that shit, let's waste a little bit more on comments from, from the, the heaters. heaters. And these are predictably Alright, here's one. Uh, Star Strength Network previews. We're talking about Howlin' Wolf's little post from a couple of weeks ago where he said he takes 35-40 minutes to, to beat shower. off in the shower every day. <laughs>
0: with all two his products two bald
2: guys here's the, here's the comment okay two bald guys giving me a lesson on washing my hair It's a valid point man. that's actually kind of funny
1: It's <laughs> a valid point yeah it is Rusty yeah. wasn't here for that he's, one so he's we got a good point
2: yeah, yeah we couldn't get Rusty's well Rusty came back with his radical fucking haircut <laughs> you know white sidewalls and shit <laughs> does she have a word with you about that is that what no no I was just tired of fucking with it. This. this was your idea yeah
3: i was just tired of
2: fucking with it. I don't know if I believe it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of but changes. I, it looks better. A lot I'll of changes to, happening all at one time. Rip. Oh, there's too many things going Suspicious. on. Suspicious. <laughs> too many things going on in the background right? for us to <laughs> All we see is what's bubbling up to the surface. Yeah, that's know? right. Just the bubble <laughs> If I come in with a
3: black, if I come in with a black eye, you know
2: that <laughs> something's up. If you come in with a black guy, <laughs> no, black. Oh, <laughs> a black, eye. black oh, eye. Oh, I see. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay (laughs) (laughs) you come in with a black guy there's been a lot of things going (laughs) okay wow now oh this is here's a classic comment i hadn't seen this one in a while uh this is on uh this is for episode number eight this is oh it's old man historical reference yeah he's a fake the ss programming Uh, this is not even spelled correctly for a fucking brit there's only one m in it
0: you
2: oh goddamn idiots not understand Programmy has two m's in it yeah it's program program is what this is spelled right, right. the ss program is a modified copy of bill star's programmies
1: oh we got it right the second time
2: yeah yeah i did it yeah correctly the second time I hadn't heard that one in a while yeah
0: that it's, is, that is a, a classic comment, though. It's a, yeah,
2: it's a classic comment for people that haven't read either one of right. the books. Yep. <laughs> you read either one of the books, you know. Well, you might as well say Bob Hope invented the program. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right, uh, let's see here, Demetrius. That's kind of interesting. ja Je- g-y-m geometrius oh good that's that's kind of cool yeah i like that how useful is it to have a large gut <laughs> well it's useful it's more useful than being a little 121 pound skinny fuck like you are It's much more useful than that oh uh, let's see uh here's one for nick oh shit this is uh your press when you're why your press gets stuck first with nick delgadillo where you're standing in front of a whiteboard your magnificent physique can't wait to hear
1: of... can't wait to hear the comment thanks he, for including it
2: Bree. he looks like he took Gomad too far <laughs> he's not wrong <laughs> And was that Demetrius too, or is that no, something no, else? No, no, that's Problematic, oh, said that. Oh, Problematic. And and here's a here's a comment from uh, the video. Uh, st- Start Strength Network previews, the gym is the easy part. That looks like that must have just recently gone up. Do you remember when you put that? Uh, in? It
3: was like two weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. Two or three weeks
2: ago. Gym's the easy part, and we're talking about have to eat and sleep. Right, and yep. Recover, so. <clears throat> yep comment is this guy doesn't look well (laughs) so all in all the lamest bunch of comments from the haters uh that we've had in quite some time it's pretty weak yeah (laughs) oh i guess i ought to close up the all right comments Comments. from From the haters (laughs) section of today's broadcast Okay?
1: Not live broadcast.
2: No, no, it's just pre-recorded. And it's not actually broadcast. Some portions of today's programming <laughs> have been pre-recorded. <laughs> they used to actually make us say that at the end of the day when we signed off the radio station.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: It's called a mechanical reproduction announcement, and it was required by the FCC.
1: Goddamn. What parts would have been pre-recorded, like uh, commercials. commercials? Commercials
2: and and the music. Jeez. Wow. And the music and the commercials, everything except me reading the news that I'd gotten off the A P wire. Everything else is pre recorded.
1: I wonder what the uh what the fine for not saying it would be.
2: I never heard of anybody being fined for that. Yeah. It's just one of those bullshit deals. Yep. That, you know, that you run into with the government. Jeez. So anyway. Nice shirt. What do you call this color? Is it slate? Sure. That looks like slate to me. Slate. Yeah. It's a slate colored shirt. Yep. Simpler folks may call it gray. Lack of imagination. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, what I thought we'd do today, boys and girls, is talk about. <clears throat> Another one of our groundbreaking history-making articles. And, uh, and uh, you know, just expound upon the ideas that are found within it. And uh, I, I actually think that this may be one of the most important pieces that we've written in terms of its application across a very broad array of sports performance preparation things I think probably the most important articles we've written were the novice effect uh, that's that's certainly an important article because it describes what goes on so often in, in sports preparation but I think that probably this one may be more valuable than anything else we've ever done because it enables you to to um, order your thinking about, about preparation. And this one is on the website and it's called the two-factor model of sports performance. And uh, I wrote this about I oh, don't four or five years ago. It was not an old article. Four or five years ago, this concept gelled, and uh, we've been teaching it in the seminar ever since. And it really, every time I think about this, it something else occurs to me that this explains. And it's a it's a very very important thing, if I do say so myself, because it it it. Uh, it allows you to think about uh, how to get ready for a performance. Now, what is a performance? And so there's several terms here that we're going to define. We're going to define performance. We're going to define training and practice. All right. So keep these things in mind as we, as we go through this material today. A performance, an athletic performance, is something for which you prepare. Right? Now it could be a football game, it could be a football season, it could be a weightlifting meet, it could be a a jujitsu tournament, it could be any number of things that are on the calendar at a point in the future that are important enough for you to want to be better for than you are right now so the performance is a target it's a target that you're going to meet with an expression of athletic ability that day all right maybe a series of Saturdays it may be hell if you're a baseball player it's a, you know two three games what other guys play three or four games a week
1: yeah, if not more.
2: If not more? Yeah. <clears throat> so that's a season they're essentially preparing for. And and if you're in a, you know, the preparation, if if you've got a long baseball season, your preparation gets complicated because it has to be taking place while you're performing. Yep. In, uh, in that particular instance, if you are an Olympic athlete, if there's still any of those around, uh the IOC's managed to run a bunch of them off, but uh, typically, sports that are involved in the Olympics have got a competitive schedule of, oh, I guess probably most of those guys at that level go to three or four meets a year, maybe maybe two or three meets a year. I mean, if you're performing at the highest levels, yep. You know, you've got your worlds, you've got qualifying events and stuff, but you're not performing every month, you know. So your, your preparation for that performance looks a little bit different. So all sports are different and all preparation for these sports are going to be different. But the, the, the term performance gives us uh, a point in time that we are making a summation an accumulation of preparation for and that was that's what we're going to call the performance okay it can it can, you know, it can you
1: be broader than that because you're uh the two factor model isn't just about a, a sports performance on a given day but if you look at it as a as a as a point in time where your performance is and you're going to talk about the two factors here in a minute but if you talk about your <clears throat> your uh Capabilities, your physical attributes, and then all the skill that's associated with it, it doesn't just have to apply to a, a sport; it applies to everything. So you yes. y- you don't have to be an athlete playing a sport; uh, it could just be existence. So the the point yeah. is that this this explains everything about physical preparation, um, and the performance might be a meet day, it might be uh, an event or a competition, um, or it might be. Whatever it is that you're using to gauge whether or not what you're doing physically is is working, is making you better. Is working.
2: Now Now, you've got uh, yeah. This is this is the interesting thing about this model, the two factor model sports performance doesn't just apply to sports. And you have to applies to music, of course. Yeah, performance. You have to look at it It,
1: this way because then if you if if you don't look at it this way, then if if it's easy to 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 be distracted so if if you are looking at performance as the overall goal improve performance um improve performance is the overall goal then what's the best way to improve your performance and then you have the two factors and then decide which factors are going to play the the biggest part in that right Right. so if you look at it from the top down that way then you'll arrive at at strength and all the stuff that we talk about
2: right you uh the, the the most important aspect of performance is that it is judged there is a metric against which it is measured yep. right if you if you lift 5 kilos more weight than you did the previous meet that's the performance goal and that's that is what you have accomplished with your sports preparation right and every performance is you know, hell, even bodybuilding, which is not a sport in any sense of the word, but even bodybuilding is depends on the two-factor model. Yep. Yeah. You know, uh, to to a limited extent, you know, practice in bodybuilding is kind of kind of stupid, but sure. Uh, but, but nonetheless, it, but it still is, applies. It, it's it's part of the it's part of the how this model applies to all kinds of different right. things. You know, if we're gonna be congratulated on something 50 years from now, this I hope this is it. Mm-hmm. Because I, it, there is not anything in the x phys or the sports psychology literature that that explains things the way this does. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, now that we understand what a performance is, what we what we have to understand now is that there are two separate avenues of preparation for an improved performance okay there is training and we use that word very specifically in this context training is the process of accumulating a physiological adaptation that applies to the performance. A physiological adaptation. And practice is the process of accumulating skill as it applies to the performance. And these are two completely separate activities. They must be pursued separately. They must be addressed separately. They are not the same thing. This is the problem that most sports coaches have. They don't understand the clear distinction between training and practice. So we're going to spend a bunch of time today talking about this. And uh, those of you uh, who have a brother-in-law that's a high school football coach, go get him. Right. If you can manage to focus his attention on this for the next forty five minutes, it'll improve his his ability to coach. I don't think you'll be successful, but it may be worth a try. Okay. Now training. We're gonna discuss training first. Now, training. Now let me just read this from the article so I don't so I don't get too far afield here. Training is the process of accumulating and I'm using that word very, very specifically, accumulating a specific physiological adaptation or adaptations necessary for improved performance in an athletic event. These adaptations depend entirely upon the physical nature of the performance in question. And that should be obvious. A weightlifting event, requires a different set of physiologic adaptations than a 26.2 marathon, right? They're, it, th- those two examples are on the opposite end of the, the adaptation spectrum, right? But nonetheless, the process for preparing for them is the same. You accumulate the adaptations that best enable you to perform in that event over a long period of time, of training. Okay, now th- that that uh, that linear axis is is real useful to to think about. On the one hand, you have a strength adaptation. On the other hand, you have an endurance adaptation. All right. These two types of adaptations are completely different physiologic events. Uh, When you adapt to an endurance uh, environment, you adapt to an endurance stress where you have to keep going and keep generating a series of sub-maximal contractions over a long period of time. The adaptations that enable that to take place are largely metabolic. In other words, they involve changes in the tissues that are already there, whereas a strength adaptation requires that you grow bigger muscles and denser and bigger bones and stronger and thicker connective tissues in order to execute that performance at a higher level. Uh, now, there are some genetic predispositions involved in, in, in this. I mean, a guy with a 38-inch vertical who's explosive and fast does not typically choose to compete in marathons because he's better at other things. A guy with a 12 inch vertical jump who weighs 130 pounds at a height of 5'7 and is real good at not feeling pain is going to be genetically predisposed to running at a long distance. So The two different types of competitive performances are selected for kind of in advance on the basis of genetics, right? But when we decide we're going to go run a marathon and do well in the marathon, do better in this next one than we did the previous one, uh, then at that point we are doing things to improve our endurance performance. Now, one of the most overlooked aspects of endurance performance for these types of athletes is strength training. All right, Yeah, I think that, that marathon competitors ought to train for strength. Now, when I say train for strength, I don't mean change sports. I don't mean that marathon athletes need a three times body weight squat that's not what i'm saying it's not what i've ever said what i've said is that it would benefit a marathon competitor to have a squat that is heavier than no squat at all and that that person squatting his own body weight on the bar for a set of five is not represent a strength specialization what it what it would do is injury proof the guy's feet and legs and back and hips and that would be the purpose for for engaging in this kind of strength training and it this doesn't mean that that uh, strength training needs to become a major part of a marathon athletes training program I certainly haven't ever said that but the guy that's not very strong at all that's competing in a in a physical event needs to be stronger right I think that's and if you want to argue with that, then I don't know how to talk to you
1: well the reason you the know. reason this is confusing and hard to hard for people to grasp and hard to explain is because it's. Uh, people look at it as a binary. You know, yes. you, you got strength on one side, you've got you're a either a marathon on side. or a powerlifter. And yeah, it's right. it's A B either or. But everything everything physiological is going to be a spectrum, right? And there's overlap. Yes. There's overlap on this side. There's overlap on this side, and we're talking about not what you are we're talking about the accumulation of adaptation so which direction are you going to accumulate the adaptations right and the problem is that there's an interference effect between the two so if you're looking at one
2: end if you only look at the tails you are not going to see what the hell we're talking about here yeah but this is
1: how you take it into people's actual their own training is there you have to understand that these things are competing is the way to think about it. They're yes. competing adaptations. They are competing And one affects the other more positively right. than vice versa. In
2: other words, if you operate on the tails in your competitive performance... You have to.
1: At, if, at you're op-
2: if your competitive performance lies within the tails. Right. One tail over here of the bell curve, tails of right. the bell curve, is a marathon performance, and one over here is a powerlifting mate. There is no overlap in the middle between those two really once you're any good at it once you're any good at right. it we're, what we're suggesting is that the marathon guy could benefit from a little bit of strength training yeah. while understanding that at the same time the power lifting guy doesn't need to run at all right should never run yeah it doesn't help him a bit so everything kind of goes in that direction strength benefits everything yep Here's, endurance doesn't benefit anything except endurance.
1: Yeah, here's the way I explain it to people. And at the during the programming lectures, you've got strength over here. You've got, uh, let's say, powerlifting over here. You've got ultra marathoning over here. It's two ends of the spectrum. Uh, let's forget the ultra marathon and the marathon, guys, because people who actually do that well are very, very few and far between. So right. we can, I can, I can tell you confidently that most human activity that you give a shit about happens down here. Right. right. That close to the strength. Everything beyond here is is specialized towards endurance, and most people aren't actually doing highly specialized endurance activities. All human activity, anything that's a sport that you like to play, that's your normal life, that's uh, being strong and capable, happens from a third down to the strength side of things. Right.
2: Would you agree with that? Yes, I would, and having said that, what is wrong with the fucking military well it's exactly right
1: that what because they're operating almost they're exclusively operating on the wrong as side.
2: though they are all endurance athletes at least at the testing level at
1: the basic testing right. level because the guys who actually fight understand this
2: the guys that actually fight do it on their own right they get strong on their own because they know they need to be strong well hey but, we talked
1: about this the other day they're already strong they're selected
2: Yes. Well, that's they're, true. They're it's, not, a it's a selection those selection
1: guys, it's a selection process. Right. They're not developed, they're right. they're selected. So you're you're selecting for people that are already strong. Right. Uh physically, mentally, emotionally, all that shit.
2: Without understanding that you can actually make a lot of people stronger than they already are and thus improve the profile of the whole damn service. Right. But no, we've got to think about 5-mile runs. Yep. It's 2022 and we're acting like it's World War 1. I don't understand it. Well it's lazy. It's just another aspect of the government. It's lazy government everything. shit.
1: It's lazy government shit.
2: Lazy government shit. This is the way we've done it before, it's worked pretty well. Yeah. Oh, has it? Really it hasn't. Because we just pointed out to you that your process does not function well enough that we don't have to still go in and select people who are operating outside. Of your process way better than your process would have made them that's what selection is about right yeah so you know i don't it, it's that's i don't want to get off on the military that's a whole nother yeah. show but I, it's
1: but the same thing applies to any sports <coughs> teams right it, it really Div- does division one is, is a selection process
2: it's not a development process i mean who are the best baseball players the, the guys who were born to be the best great baseball big players strong guys yeah. right are are the best baseball players and always have been. Yep. You know, they can hit the ball further because they can apply more force with the bat to the ball. Yep. They're big and strong. Who are the best football players? Who are the best basketball players? Yeah. You know.
1: And whatever uh, whatever attributes you can point to that uh, that would define somebody that would categorize somebody as a high level at player in any given sport. If you add strength on top of that, it's very hard to argue that it would be detrimental and, every, right. and, and everybody would agree that it's, uh, that it's, uh, that it helps positively. Otherwise you would allow people to use steroids. You wouldn't give a shit. Anybody yeah. who's ever said, no, it, anybody it, it, who's ever been mad at somebody for using steroids is implicitly agreeing that strength is important and that right. it benefits everything.
2: Right. If, uh, if you just substitute strength for steroids, that's all you need to know. Right. Yep. That's all you need to know. If the sport benefits from steroids, then it benefits from squats, presses, and deadlifts, exactly. too. Yep. Right. But if you fix it up so that they don't know anything about how to do squats, presses, and deadlifts, what are they going to do? Yep. Well, they're going to get some steroids. Yep. I wouldn't blame them. I don't blame them. They should. Right. And a bunch of money is dependent on it you know i mean those guys have a very short period of time within their lives to make a hell of a bunch of money and they ought to yeah while they can't yep and if that means taking a bunch of drugs then that's what they ought to do hell if i was the owner of the team i'd make them take drugs of course yeah yeah strength you know recovery unless i wanted to hire an actual strength coach which none of them seem to be able to do if you want to do it right you do both yeah that's, that's oh, shit every do advantage both. yeah why not every advantage you, you put is people conferred. you
1: put people in a cage and have them beat the fuck out of each other and you're not okay with letting them recover well
2: but you're not okay with them doing time yeah yeah you know with that's very strange getting more resilient <laughs> that would be wrong yeah That would be wrong. Beating each other half senseless, well, that's the nature of the sport. But recovering from that. It's cheating. It's cheating. cheating. If we use Dianabol, it's cheating. (laughs) It's it's so damn weird. Oh, God almighty. So training is, uh, yeah, anytime we discuss training, it takes us down. uh, We always learn things when we talk about training. If we understand what we say when we say I mean, training, training is not just going to the gym. It's not just going to the gym and hanging around in the gym and doing the dumbbells and riding the treadmill while we watch ABC News and uh, get lied to about everything in the, in the world and uh, and then going to take a sweat and taking a shower and going home. That's not training. <laughs> take That's <a> just sweat. <laughs> going to the gym. Take a That's sweat is going to the exercising.
1: Is that going in the sauna, taking a sweat? Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, yeah. Where else would you? Well, I don't know. I don't, I you don't never know. heard that term? I th- well, I have now. <laughs> Take a sweat.
3: Never just, heard it. I, really? Yeah. Well, I've never fun. heard it either.
2: You have never heard it either? No. I'm not even going to ask Bree. But so what
1: does the steam room do for you? Is that also
2: taking a if sweat? If there is a steam room. you prefer the, the steam room probably, right, than the yeah. sauna? Yeah. It's, they're more expensive to operate. Right, though, right. So. More places have saunas than steam rooms. Yeah.
1: The hairy, naked old guy that goes and puts water on top of the rocks, is that attempting to create a steam room? Yes. I guess.
2: Yeah. yeah that attempts to create the steam room effect in the sauna. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> at any rate, that's not training. Okay. <laughs> that's not training. That's just fucking around. It's fucking the, around. At the health club, at the WAC. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, the... Uh, The process of training, to put a more fine point on this, involves a careful assessment of the physiologic adaptations that are necessary for the performance, and then programming your preparation activities to improve those physiologic adaptations. All right. So, baseball. Just to pick a sport at random, baseball. Well,
1: before you do that, can I let me just say let's let's be clear on what on how you accomplish. You have two choices. You've got structural and you've got metabolic, and that's it. Yes,
2: they're, that's it. Those
1: are the titles of the. Curve. Those are the two choices. Right. All right. So, um, and they they're again they're going to overlap, and you have to decide which one's going to give you the most uh,
2: return. Right. On the investment. Exactly. How important is endurance in baseball right it is of virtually no importance at all or,
1: or set up set a different way rip how important is it that you need to do anything other than play baseball to gain that endurance
2: yes all right that's a that right because, because it, people will say well you're to you the gotta... extent that practice of the sport that field practice of the sport and we're gonna talk about practice more right. later field practice of the sport provides of metabolic or a physiologic stress. Right. Is that stress acquired during the practice of the sport sufficient in order to, to force the adaptation toward that end? And usually it is. Yeah. If you're practicing any length of time. But in baseball, what is the longest flurry of activity that takes place in a baseball game? A 30 seconds sprint,
1: maybe, ten maybe. seconds,
2: fifteen seconds. Yep. The man hits the ball into the outfield. The guy fielder runs, catches the ball.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If it bounces once, he catches the ball. He throws the ball. We're still dealing with periods of time that are in that are under ten seconds right. long. Every once in a while, some shit happens around the bases. It takes longer than ten seconds, but at no point are we doing long, slow distance on the baseball. Field.
1: Right. In other words, nothing that it, no, nothing that it would be even consequential for a young, athletic person who can run, throw a ball, catch, dive for the ball.
2: Right. The guy can already do this stuff. The guy can already do any endurance aspect of anything encountered on the field. Yeah. Therefore, for baseball, there is no endurance component of that activity that needs to be trained for okay now on the other hand everything that happens in a baseball game involves the application of high levels of force against the ground against the bat against the ball occasionally against an opponent but these are all explosive strength activities so what should training look like for baseball should look like strength training shouldn't it right now of the training things that we do endurance strength for baseball where's most of it it's force production like nick said it's force production it's force production it's it's the the opposite end of the curve from endurance and a baseball team that runs laps is coached by a fool
1: <laughs> that, run, that runs laps in order to get better at baseball because right. that happens well that happens. why else would they be running to yeah.
2: well, warm up or punishment. whatever the fuck who knows well, the, thing is, the thing is it, the thing coaching this coach yeah. is
3: it's so easy just to say go run laps sure yeah instead yeah. of actually doing their job
2: Right, because they're not that smart. Yeah, they don't really. Coaches don't think about it. this. Is why I made the comment earlier about that. You, your brother-in-law who's the high school football coach. Go get him. Yeah, because he hadn't thought about any of this stuff. Yeah, all right, and he should have, but he hadn't. Right. Yeah,
1: and what what happens at practice is going to be up to the the you know the coaches and people outside of your control. But a, 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 a way to think about this is that what should you be doing outside of the gym to support your sport. Right? So, again, you have the two choices. Should you be strength training or should you be doing sprints? Should you be running on a treadmill? Should you be uh, working on your well, cardio? When
2: you're saying outside the gym. I'm,
1: I'm sorry, outside the Outside, outside the, sport, the field. outside the, In the gym, outside the field. In the, the gym, yeah.
2: outside the field to play. Right. 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 Whether the field to play is in the gym like the basketball exactly. gym. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's, that's in, what he meant by In that. other words, so the strength and conditioning.
1: What right. should your strength and conditioning look like? What
2: should the strength and conditioning which is the training component exactly what should they look like yep now how many sports actually require endurance preparation for the sport now this is an excellent an excellent question isn't it yep and we'll talk more about this after we define practice here in just a minute because field practice is usually the answer to that question. Okay. So, anything else about training? Strength is the primary way we train for most sports in the spectrum that is not the distance events on in a in a track meet. Right. The distance events in a track meet. Now listen carefully, boys and girls, the distance events in a track meet are the most specialized of all athletic events they are the most specialized because of all of the athletic events that we can we participate in distance events on the track are the only ones that do not specifically require instantaneous high levels of force production everything else does yep tennis baseball basketball all the team sports require high levels of force production, explosion, coordinated explosion, movement of, the, of your body quickly in, a, in an agility kind of situation, high levels of force production. But one foot in front of the other for 10,000 meters is another thing entirely, and it, is, it doesn't look like everything else. And yet... What does the media and what has the media for decades told the public about sports? What's running? Anytime the general public thinks about sports, what do they think? Yeah. Think about running. Road work. Road work. How many boxers have been fucked up by road work? Yeah. You know, why would you run a boxer down the road? What are you thinking about? Get their legs, right? What about a Gotta three minute round bears any metabolic resemblance to running down the highway? Gotta get the legs, man. Gotta get the legs. Gotta build the legs. Gotta build the legs, build the legs which is which is equivalent, long, slow distance. Which is equivalent
1: <laughs> to building endurance I believe is what they're yes that's but right. look you're talking about coaches who've been pounded in the head for 30 years or so
2: yeah <laughs> and people had hadn't thought about it. people had just <laughs> stopped thinking a long time ago yeah the conditioning yeah.
1: question is the conditioning question is uh, uh it's actually pretty simple if because because strength takes longer to acquire it's more difficult yes. to acquire it's more expensive metabolically so you're already practicing a sport you're already doing a sport uh, you're, you're working specifically in the metabolic environment by doing that sport that you need to be working in. So, uh, but you're not gaining strength by doing your sport because no. you can't, right? So uh, at, at least beyond the first month or so. So you have to train for strength outside of the sport, and you're going to do that with right. barbells. Now, in terms of conditioning, if you're weak, um, you don't need to do any conditioning. You need to get strong.
2: Yes, and that's almost everybody walking yes, the earth. Your work capacity will be improved by doing nothing more than getting stronger. Right. So, in other words, your endurance goes up without doing any endurance if you're not already strong. Right. Yeah.
1: If you're if you're weak, regardless of your status in terms of proficiency, uh, the best thing you can do to improve performance, conditioning or otherwise, is to get stronger. If you're strong and you're unskilled you don't need to do conditioning. You need to get, you need to get better at your sport. That'll take care of your conditioning. If you're strong and skilled, which is a competitive athlete with a competitive schedule that has a high level of conditioning, your conditioning will be determined by your training schedule. And it's going to be specialized. It's going to be appropriate for you. So that's a very, very small percentage of the people who are doing any sport anywhere, anytime.
2: Very, very small, very, very small. Uh, when we talk about athletes, I think most of us that deal with with athletes are not dealing with pros. Right. We're dealing with high school athletes. We're dealing with recreational. Hobbyists, athletes. right. Yep. And, and people just do it because they want to. Yep. And they almost all fall
1: into those first two categories. They're either weak. Right. Or they're strong and unskilled.
2: And most of the improvement that we can get out of people like that is going to come from getting them stronger. Because of the... And we've said this 8 million times, and it, it, it bears repeating, strength is the basis of all athletic expression. The production of force against an external resistance is how the human body interacts with its environment. In any circumstance, production of force is how the the human body interacts with its environment and the stronger you are the better you are going to be at all of those things now how do we get stronger let's back up again how do we get stronger five pounds at a time five pounds at a time as nick said getting stronger is metabolically more expensive than running all right running does not involve building new tissue but five pounds at a time on your squat and your deadlift requires that you build new tissue. It requires more food, it requires more protein, it requires more rest to recover from, and it is only accomplished, only accomplished under the bar. Now, I can hear him yelling and screaming right now, but... If you take your squat from 135 to 455, how did you do that? You squatted. You got under the bar and squatted. How else do you achieve the strength that is accumulated by going from 135 to 455? Is there a way to do that without squatting? No, there's not, is there? If you take your deadlift from 165 to 505 and i'm i'm using these numbers because they don't represent for an athletic individual they don't represent a strength specialization that's just baseline capability and if you don't know that then you don't know anything about strength the only way you can do that is by doing those exercises okay doing the squat doing the deadlift Press and bench press, same weight. Smaller jumps, but the process is the same. Where are you now? We're going to add a little more next time. We're going to add a little more next time. And we do that with all these exercises. We add a little bit every time we train. And that's training. That's what we mean when we say strength training. Five pounds of workout is what we mean by strength training. And there is no other way to get stronger, faster, than that. Those of us that have been around people who took steroids, and I've been around people who took steroids for a very, very long time, understand that a novice doing five pounds of workout in the gym three days a week gets stronger faster than the guy who's not doing that who's taking steroids. Every single time barbell training works better than steroids by themselves. Every single time. Okay. There's no better way to accumulate strength than to get under the bar and move it with a little bit more weight on it. Every time you do it, that's the essence of strength training. And those of you that have listened to us talk for years, understand that this is the premise for our approach to strength training. And our approach works better than your approach. All right, so just think about it for a little while. And you'll see that what we're telling you to do is the best way to make yourself stronger. And strength is training for the vast majority of sports. Strength is training. Okay, now let's talk about practice. Okay. When I say the word practice, what I mean is the execution of the sport specific movement patterns at a high level of accuracy and precision. Okay? Accuracy and precision. Right? should be defined. So in this context, let's say I'm throwing a baseball at the catcher's mitt. Accuracy means how close do I get to the catcher's mitt without him having to move to catch the ball. right? Precision means how many times can I do that in a row? That's what precision means. Accuracy and precision are the bases of practice. Practice means doing the performance movement pattern over and over and over again until proficiency is improved. Practice is exquisitely dependent upon repetition, Okay. If I'm going to pitch, I've got to throw the ball a lot. I have to throw a lot of pitches. If I'm going to bat effectively, I've got to swing at a lot of pitches. Lots and lots and lots of them. If I'm going to play tennis, I've got to hit a lot of balls. If I'm going to play racquetball, I've got to hit a lot of balls. If I'm going to play golf, for God's sake, which is not even approached as a sport, which we define as an activity that requires both training and practice. Just to throw that in. I think that's insightful, don't you? I do. Yeah. You can approach it as a game. Like billiards, billiards. golf is a game, or you can approach golf as a sport. Most people approach golf as a game. A game is just practice, right. practice only. If you don't train for it, it's not a sport. Okay. So,
1: if you've got um, even without impl- without implements or objects, like you're, you know you're talking about baseball, tennis, things that require you to hit something or manipulate something, but but positioning and, and movement is the same is the same idea. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, yes. firing off the line if you're a lineman, right? Uh, uh, positions in in judo and jiu-jitsu
2: and wrestling. These
1: the, are aspects of practice. The the movement patterns that you have to execute patterns that you have
2: to execute over and over and over again need to become so familiar that you don't have to right. consciously think about doing it. All right, if you're a tennis player and you are moving sideways across the court, happens every. Time the ball is served. You've got to learn where your feet are. You have to do that. That's an aspect of practice. Okay? So practice is distinct from training, and this is terribly important to understand. When you accumulate the physiologic adaptation of strength, the movement patterns you use to accumulate the movement patterns of strength are specific to the best way to get strong. Whereas the movement patterns you execute in practice for the sport look like the sports performance that you're going to do. Now understand this extremely important piece of confusion that most strength conditioning people have. Your squat does not have to look like your offensive lineman stance in order to apply to the offensive line. Because the stance doesn't apply, the strength applies. So what do you do to stand when you squat to get stronger? Well, you do the most efficient way to stand under the bar to transmit more power against the bar and thus get stronger. And then you apply that strength during practice.
1: And if you're, if, if you're really, for some reason, concerned about that, how many, how many times in a given week do you assume a squat stance versus how many times in a given week do you assume uh, your lineman stance? So th- it doesn't matter. It's inconsequential either way. I, I mean, it matters in terms of squatting correctly and getting strong. So if you're practicing so football, that. you're in the you're in the line, the fucking lineman, lineman stance, stance way more often than hundreds and hundreds you're in the, and
2: hundreds of times than, than you are under. You're the bar not going to
1: forget how to do the fucking lineman right. stance.
2: If you're that dumb, you can't play sports. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you forget. Oh wait, I'm not. You probably I'm not can't. squatting. You probably I'm on the <laughs> offensive line, and look what I've done here. I've taken my <laughs> squat stance. <laughs> that
1: guy probably can't squat very well either. No, he's, he's, he's not
2: hard enough to <laughs> squat either. Right. But this is the kind of argument that people bring up. It's insane. Like, just
1: think about it for two seconds, man. Yeah, you're not it's, gonna. It's context specific. You're not gonna fucking forget how to run all of a sudden because it, you haven't.
3: It's like the dead. It's like an Olympic lifter deadlifting. <laughs> yeah, it's right? the same It's, it's shit. like the, it's it's the, the same, same, same
2: argument that Olympic weightlifting coaches make yeah. about the deadlift. Forgot, because forgot when you, I was I, clean I, I forgot, this. oh wait, I'm not deadlifting today. I'm. <laughs> this is my third attempt clean and <laughs> jerk. Why am I doing this slow? Because when you say
1: it in the proper circles, you know, it, it just, makes you sound real fucking smart. Yeah. but it's uh, think about it for well, half a minute, two seconds, and it makes no sense. You're real
2: stupid if you don't understand that the best way to acquire strength involves the best way to move the heaviest bar that you can lift because that's what makes you stronger and then you take the strength that is accumulated using the best way to move a bar that's heavier and then you apply that strength in practice on the field of play and that's what practice is for. We practice while we're getting stronger so that as we accumulate the strength adaptation that strength adaptation gets applied to the specific movement patterns we encounter on the field of play. Now that's easy enough to understand I think. You know, uh, you you don't have to make training. Listen very carefully to what I'm about to say because I'm going to contradict everybody in collegiate and professional sports strength and conditioning. You don't have to make training look like practice because training and practice are separate activities. They must remain separate in order to be effective. You cannot effectively get stronger if you compromise your ability to lift heavier weights by trying to make lifting the weights look like the sport. And you're compromising the movement patterns that you are actually trying to practice. So, in that way, you actually could fuck up. You know? If you try to make, all right, here's a common example, all right? Instead of getting our squat up to 500, getting our deadlift up to 550, we're dancing around in the floor with an unstable surface under our feet with a 20-pound dumbbell in one hand. And we switch hands and we switch feet. We do all these dance moves in the weight room where we ought to be getting stronger. Because we've been told by the strength conditioning coach that unstable surfaces make us stronger. No, they don't. Heavier weight makes you stronger. And you already know that, don't you? You already know that a guy that deadlifts 495 is stronger than a guy that deadlifts 315. You already know that. And here's this clown telling you to jump around on a half ball with a 20-pound dumbbell. Because it kind of looks like your sport. Except that it doesn't look like your sport. At all. Does it? What movement pattern is that silliness specific to itself? Right. And that's it. Yeah, That's the only thing it looks like is that little bullshit exercise. It, right? It's a result
1: of a strength and conditioning coaches getting out of their lane and getting into, this, getting into, into sports specific, what they think is sport specific. For example, yes. there's a video, I believe it was John, John Jones, a video of John Jones with a strength and conditioning coach standing on a BOSU ball. <laughs> being thrown a tennis ball while he's balancing on one foot. Now, this is a man who needs no help with his hand and eye coordination, needs no help with his balance.
2: That's why they hired him. That's why he is... That's uh, why he's being paid the money. That's
1: why he is who he is, right? Because
2: he's already athletic.
1: So what are you actually doing as a strength and conditioning coach? You're Mm -hmm. demonstrating that this guy is an
2: athletic freak. Which we already know because of his salary. Right. Right? Yeah. So... What are you failing to do with him is the more important question.
1: Yeah, so that coach doesn't understand, one, how to make him stronger, no. and also doesn't understand how to make him a better MMA fighter. He understands neither, and that's the problem with strength and conditioning. They yes. don't understand either, either aspect of it. They don't understand the practice side of things, and they don't understand the training side of things. No.
2: So they try to blend it together and uh, make uh, it sports-specific. That's why this model is so important. Right. Sports-specific is practice. But sport specific is exquisitely sports specific in a way that these people who dance on Bosu balls don't understand. Unless the sport is dancing on Bosu balls, it's not specific enough. Practicing the sport on the field of play is specific, all right? Training cannot be specific to this. It cannot be or it's not effective training. It won't make you stronger. Making you stronger happens five pounds at a time, and that's the only effective way to do it. All right? In other words, you, you got the guy dancing around on BOSU balls with a 20-pound dumbbell, and you give him a bunch of testosterone ball. He still doesn't get as strong as the other kid who doesn't have access to testosterone ball but who does have access to five-pound plates.
1: Sounds like John Jones, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Sounds exactly <laughs> like him.
2: <laughs> is that what he says, too? No, it sounds like what he did. What yeah. he did. Yeah. Oh, I see. Danced right. around and then took some drugs. <laughs> yeah. And got stronger. Well, it does happen. Yeah. You know, it's better than nothing. Right. Drugs are better than nothing, which is what you've got if you've got a fool for a strength and conditioning coach. Right? Yep. I mean, they do work. They don't work very well by themselves, but they do work. Right. You know, the best way to do it would be to effectively strength train and take Diana ball and testosterone. Right.
3: I mean, how much harder would he punch if his bench wasn't two twenty five and three fi- but three fifteen? Right. He would punch that that's that, that much, harder. much harder. Yeah.
2: You know. Yep. What about if his hips had been stronger? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which is actually what makes a stronger punch. Which, which punch, is yeah. the punch. Right. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> punch comes out of here, not here. Yeah. Right, and everybody understands that. And That's just a, a little side point. But but squats, not punching, make punches stronger. Yeah, yeah, you know. And the truth is, who
1: gives a fuck what all these assholes do? But but the problem is that that the people who we deal with
2: see all this shit, and uh, yeah, and, and their kids, right? The kids, and their kids come into gym with these preconceived notions about what the D one guys are doing. Right, and it's hard to explain to a sixteen year old kid in high school that the D1 school he wants to go to has a strength coach that doesn't know what the fuck he's right. doing. Yeah.
3: Or the parent, you know? that, w- the parent that wants uh, to see that training. Right. Yep. That's the hard one.
2: That's the hard that's one. That's the it's hard the parents, one. Because they, they're, they're the one with the money. They, they have less them. understanding of it than the kid does. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, the kids probably don't give a shit, but the parents want to see what, what they think. The parents want to see you do the same thing that the guy at UTs is doing. Exactly. Right. That's exactly right. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I used to get it all the time. Hey, uh, I'd get a video from a parent. It's like, hey, look at this. What do you What do you think about this? Why aren't Why Why don't you do any of this stuff? You got to go through the shit every single time. You got to go yep. through it with them.
2: You know. Yeah, you've got to try to explain it to them, and they're they're not equipped to understand it. Right. I went to a sports conditioning symposium put on by the chiropractors back about oh this would have been about 2005. It was right after the the first edition was published, and. Uh, the, the featured guy at this event, it's just a bunch of speakers for the whole weekend. You've probably seen these things before. Featured guy was this Madsen guy from uh, that was a strength coach at UT, at Texas, in Austin. And his talk consisted of about an hour and 15 minutes worth of videos of the players doing foot drills. That's it. Different foot drills. This is what we have them do. This is what we have them do. And I'm sitting there having just written the first edition of Starting Strength. Yep. Yeah. And I'm going. This guy hasn't said anything about strength and conditioning. Right. He said anything. He said stuff about conditioning. Yeah. He's talking about agility drills, but he hasn't said how he gets these guys stronger. Yeah. And it wasn't addressed. Yeah. At no point in the talk was the deadlift mentioned. Right. Was the squat mentioned. At no point was it even discussed. And it's still like that
1: today? It was 20 years ago? This is, this is, uh, 18. would have
2: been 2005, so 17
1: years ago. Yeah, and strength and conditioning is just – is not strength and conditioning. No. It's an extension. It's an attempt to extend practice into the yes. gym. It's exactly it's, what it and is. And it's not any good. It doesn't that's do That's a
2: very good way to explain it. It is an attempt to extend practice into the weight room. Right. Yeah. The weight room doesn't need practice. Right. Practice happens on the field. Practice happens where the coaches are supposed to do what they know how to do, and that's coach the sport. Yeah. What happens in the weight room is supposed to be: the strength coach gets these guys stronger so they can be more effective producers of force on the field. Exactly. But this, and and this is a stark dichotomy. Yeah. But that is not appreciated. That's not appreciated. Yep. Practice must be specific. Baseball is such a good example. Baseball's weight five and a quarter ounces. Five ounces, five and a quarter, somewhere in there is a little bit of leeway. But they're approximately five ounces, and you throw this thing 60 feet, six inches, and that's where the catcher's mid is. He's 60 feet, six inches away. Now, these dimensions are fixed. Okay? You don't throw the ball 70 feet. You don't throw an eight-ounce baseball 30 feet. You throw A a five-and-a-half-ounce baseball, 60-foot-three-inches, 60-foot-six-inches. Every time. Now, if you're going to get real good at that, what do you have to do? Thousands of rips. Yeah. Thousands of rips. No other way to do it. Most importantly, you don't get good at throwing a a five-and-a-quarter-ounce baseball by throwing a three-ounce baseball. You don't get good at throwing a five-and-a-half-ounce baseball by throwing a seven-ounce baseball. So why do they have you do these things? It's a misunderstanding of training and practice. Yep. They think, I guess, they're going to make the guy stronger by having him throw a seven-ounce baseball. But you know what you do when you do that? You have him practice throwing the ball slower. And you risk hurting his shoulder because the increased amounts of torque on a shoulder that's throwing a little heavier implement, then he has to throw at the game. Yeah, and,
1: and you, can, you can argue all that shit all day long, whether it's whatever, you know, it, it's dangerous, it's going to mess up the movement pattern, but the, the easiest argument is that it's it's inefficient. If if you're interested in getting better, you're just fucking around and you're wasting time. You're wasting
2: time that that could could be spent spent practicing effectively. Practicing effectively specific to the performance because practice must be specific because that's what we're going to do that day. That's what we're doing that day. We're throwing 60 feet, 6 inches, five and a half ounce baseball. So that's what practice has to be. If you want to make him stronger, you don't throw a seven ounce baseball. You get his bench press and his press and his squat and his deadlift up. That makes him stronger. Much stronger than your extra one and three quarter ounces. Let's How, say you, let's say you do get some performance improvement by doing that kind of shit, but
1: just just and that's fine, but but compare that to adding 150 pounds to a squat, 250 pounds to a deadlift, and 80 pounds to a press. And look at and compare the performance improvements between those two things, and and it'll become apparent. Right,
2: because you in in the in the movement upward in strength under the bar, you have not interfered with the performance movement pattern. Right, you haven't interfered with it because as the strength is accumulating, you are practicing throwing the five and a half ounce ball sixty foot six inches. And as you get stronger, guess what happens? The ball speed goes up.
1: Yeah, unless you want to pretend like the the fucking ground reaction isn't what makes the ball move, right? Right. Um,
2: You you know why Nolan Ryan was such a bad motherfucker for so many years, throwing 94-mile-an-hour fastballs in his 40s? Because he was real strong. Nolan Ryan was real real strong right now I don't know how Nolan Ryan got real strong I'm not saying I know that I'm just saying I know he was real strong all right it doesn't matter how you get strong if you're already strong good for you (laughs) but if you're not strong how do you get that way well there's two ways it's that it's done take a bunch of drugs and then you have to go talk to John McCain at a Senate hearing.
1: Or Dan Crenshaw. I'd rather rot in hell. Dan Crenshaw soon. he'll, you know. he'll be the guy. Yeah, Dan. He'll be, be the, the
2: guy. He'll be the. He'll be the one in the. In he, the, <laughs> the
1: <laughs>
2: holding the. He'll be the conscience of the United States <laughs> so,
1: this motherfucker.
2: <laughs> or you can squat, press, deadlift, and bench press. I know which one I'm going to advise you to do. Because I know which one works better, and then you practice, and the same with swinging a bat. Why would you put a two-pound bat weight on your bat? You know what you're practicing when you swing a heavy bat. You're practicing swinging slower. Is that really what you want to do? What bat are you going to use on you know in yeah. on the field? Yeah. At the game, what bat are you going to use? I recommend that you swing that bat. You know, but what do I know? I'm just a you know, gym owner. I don't know anything about this. But I, I think if you'll think about this, it'll it'll make a lot of sense to you. I think mean, if you think about this, the the distinction between training and practice explains a lot of things and explains things about every single sport that is contested in the whole panoply of human athletic competition. Okay. Yep. So. How would a marathon guy train and practice? Let's pick a, a hard one. Well, for him, training and practice kind of looks pretty much the same, doesn't it? As I've said, I think the marathon guy ought to squat, and I think he ought to deadlift.
1: And the smart ones do.
2: And I don't, I don't know that he needs to press. I don't know that he needs to bench. I don't know that he needs power clean. But he needs the deadlift, and he needs the squat. So he doesn't train much. For him, practice is training. Now, these guys, as I understand this, uh, marathon guys don't normally run more than 15 miles in training.
3: No, they, they, gut out. they gut it out whenever they
2: actually do it. Yeah, they just have to just add the extra eight miles on them. Because they understand
1: what training is. Right. Training is the accumulation of – Physiological adaptation, which you can only accomplish by going above and beyond what is required on the day, and of getting
2: the, recovered from it, and getting recovered from it. That's exactly right. They right. would be so
3: beat up if they actually did a marathon yeah. for training.
2: Yeah, they they uh, they don't typically do that. No. They don't typically do that. Uh, but once again, that's way over here on one of the tails. All right, now what about the other tail over here? Powerlifting. All right, powerlifting training and practice look real similar also don't they but there are some distinctions if you're going to a power meet you are going to do three attempts at the squat the bench and the deadlift and these are going to be heavy singles if you're if you're training effectively you're not training a bunch of heavy singles you're training with fives and threes and that sort of thing so there is room for practicing heavy singles for a powerlifting meet there's room for practicing using equipment that you don't normally train on so that the unfamiliarity is not a problem on contest day if you're used to training in a power rack and you're going to squat out of stands at the meet you need to get some stands and you need to practice squatting out of stands because it's a whole different deal. Yeah, and the rules, pauses and all that shit. The rules and the commands from the idiot ass head judges that powerlifting employs. All that stuff's got to be gotten used to. Right. right. And the only way to get used to it is to do singles in practice under the, under the context of those rules. And get somebody to wave their hands around and try to distract. So all this stuff has got to be... Shitty music on the speakers. Shitty music. (laughs) Some pirate running around. Some clown with a goddamn (laughs) cheap brass jewelry that stains his fingers and shit. (laughs) With a scarf on his head and
3: Says brother every other word. Yeah,
2: because everybody's brothers, right? Yeah, that's... uh, So there are some some practice components, even to powerlifting. Now, uh, an interesting example... That requires a little bit more thought as Olympic weightlifting. Now, Olympic weightlifting consists of the snatch and a clean and jerk. All right. Now, these are displays of strength as power. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, it's poorly understood by most Olympic weightlifting coaches. There are a few of us that that have grasped the idea that one of the reasons that Taranenko's 266 clean and jerk from 1988 has stood for all those years is because Taranenko was real 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 strong it wasn't because he was a technical genius it was because he was so strong that he didn't need to be a technical genius strength makes up for technique Now, everybody pretty much understands that with respect to everything else, but for some reason Olympic weightlifting coaches want to pretend as though this is some technical display of athletic ability that's not found anywhere else in the realm of sports. I've actually heard them say this. I've actually heard these people say that the snatch, the heavyweight, is the most athletic of human movements. Nothing else in sports even comes close to technical complexity.
1: Yeah. Ignore the 13 year old flying through the air a, of a, over there. Right. And land in, landing with her hands on the little fucking bar. Yeah, landing not, with her uh, feet on a
2: yeah. piece of wood about that wide. Right. Not even close. Not It pales in comparison. <laughs> a skier going down a 60 degree slope covered with ice at 90 miles an hour no 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 the snatch is far more you know i, I if you can't teach a kid how to do a snatch to within 90 percent of the technical proficiency he'll ever have within about six months then he can't be a lifter right? and more importantly you can't be a coach because you don't know how to coach it if you don't know how to coach the movement you don't know how to coach the movement And you want to pretend like you don't have to learn, but you do, all right? But more important than that, you have to have them deadlift and you have to have them squat because if the bar feels heavy coming off the floor, they can't pull it as fast and get under it as easily as if it feels light because they're strong enough to accelerate the goddamn thing.
1: I thought we were gonna How make do you it, talk to people that don't understand it? I don't know. You, you don't. Know? You don't. I thought we were going to make right. it through this hour and a half episode without talking about those fucking idiots. But here we <laughs> yeah, are. Well, here we, we are. <laughs> if Rusty wants to, he can edit it out.
2: Okay? All right. Because nobody wants to hear me yell about that again. I understand. It. Okay? It's the same in all sports.
1: I mean, we just got through saying it's the same in all sports. It's Everybody the same just in wants all to sports. do their own
2: sports. Sports coaches themselves don't understand. Right. The dichotomy here, the training practice dichotomy. They very, very seldom appreciate that the strength coach has a different job yes. than the the field coaches and now do. the strength coaches don't understand it either. And, yeah, and now and the strength coaches, you know why? Because the strength coaches are hired by the, because the field coaches. all because
1: all the all they they want and actually all of our all of most people are looking for is just validation, right? So they're they're just looking for the the to punch the ticket and say, okay, I got better by doing this thing today. And what we're proposing here is actually a, the hard way, right? Don't do your sport for this hour and a half that you're in the gym three days a week. And get under the bar and do something real fucking hard to uh, improve your performance and try to get it through your head that it
2: doesn't have to look or feel like the thing that you're doing. And it's going and to be another, another thing, yes. The, the sports coach, the head coach, does not want to admit how critical a role the recruiter plays in the quality of his team. Yep. You know, athletes are recruited. They're not produced in your weight room. If you're now if if you're in a in a uh, little six man high school in the middle of Texas someplace, you play who you got. Right. Right? But if you're the University of Texas, the team's been assembled out of extremely high level athletes before you even see them. Right. If you think you're going to improve the athletic ability of those boys in the, in the locker room, you've lost your mind. Because if you need to improve the athletic ability of the boys in the weight room, then your recruiter needs to be replaced. Right. Because yeah. the state of Texas is full of freaks, and his job is to go out and find them for you. And usually those guys do a pretty good job of that. Yep. They see talent, they know talent. <laughs> That's their job. They understand it very, very intimately. And they're going to put talented athletes in the weight room. Your job, since they've never had any experience with this before, is to make them stronger than they are now. And you know what? You don't know how, do you? You don't know how. Because you haven't bothered to learn how to coach the squat, how to coach the deadlift, the press, the bench press, how to coach the power clean. You don't know how to coach these movements, so you want to pretend like dancing around on unstable surfaces with dumbbells is somehow a substitute for getting these kids with a 275 squat up to a 495 squat, which I can do in six months. I can do that in six months. Why can't you? You're not saying I'm smarter than you are, are you? Well, I wouldn't claim to be smarter than you are. I just think you're lazy that's what i think i think you're refusing to learn something you don't already know this is a terrible limitation of the human condition yeah we don't want to admit we don't already know something especially when it's your job (laughs) especially when it's your job and you're probably overpaid in the job anyway uh you you just have to See, this, this, this training practice thing teaches you a lot about what you're doing if, you're, if you'll just pay attention to the distinction between the two things that are being developed. Training affects the organism. It affects the strength. It affects the endurance, the metabolism, the nonspecific things that make the physical better. Practice deals with the specific movement patterns that are used in the performance. Two separate things, two separate processes for getting them better. Practice improves skill through repetition. It must be specific to the performance training improves the ability to execute skilled movement patterns by increasing the ability to produce force, by making sub-maximal force production even more sub-maximal. Okay. So they're separate. They have to be separate. It's good that they're separate. It gives us a way to address them separately and uh, therefore address them more efficiently. We leave anything out it's pretty thorough i like to be thorough yeah but this is shit we can talk about for hours yep you know you guys notice any holes in the argument let us know and we'll address them on comments no we won't do that we'll <laughs> just actually we'll actually address them if they're constructive okay? if they're constructive if they're worth talking about if they're they're your normal idiocy. We're just going to throw them away. So, uh, read the article. You know, I think you'll get a lot out of it if you haven't. If this is the first time you've heard of this of this argument, you need to read the article. And uh, it's some of my best work, and I think you'll you'll find that it adds to your understanding of lots and lots of things. The two factor model of sports performance. It's on our website, startingstrength.com. Look for it there, and we will see you next week, starting Strength Radio.